Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of the Metal Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa, and I'm coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here with my trusty co-host, Maeve Kitty. This week's episode, I caught up with my friend, Ralph, so that we could talk about the Bruce Dickinson Spoken Word Tour. He saw it in New York. I saw it in Boston and Philly. But before we get to that, I thought I would tell you guys what I did last Friday night. I went and saw Ghost, Volby, and Twin Temple. So we go to the show... I have a clear bag because I go to a lot of shows. When we get to go through security, they tell me my bag is too big. I actually have two sizes, but I picked the bigger one because I thought I could put t-shirts and stuff in it. They tell me my bag is too big and I have to take it back to the car. Luckily, we're parked on the street and not in a parking garage. So we zipped out there, dropped off my bag, came back in. We had floor seats. So by the time we got down to the floor... The first band, Twin Temple, was already on. We had missed a couple of songs, I guess. The stage setup was very interesting. There was a guitar player, a drummer, a saxophone player, and a female front woman who was dressed in a bouffant hairdo and a 60s go-go style dress and boots with a vampire cape. They had a black backdrop that had upside-down crosses. She's doing this whole rap about Satan. And she's talking to the audience about how she's summoning Satan. He's going to come. He's going to envelope the room. He's going to take away racism and oppression. I didn't know that was his job, but that was her plan. Then she starts chanting, Hail Satan, and gets everybody on the floor, everybody in the building to start chanting, Hail Satan. Then the music kicks in. And it is like 50s doo-wop meets 60s girl group. It was very strange. Not very satanic. But it was cool. She was an interesting front person. She was energetic. She had a great voice. They were a fun band. She sort of reminded me of Amy Winehouse. I guess she was the satanic Amy Winehouse. They did a song called Let's Go to a Satanic Orgy, which wasn't a very satanic song. But they were a fun band to see. They didn't play, obviously, for very long. Then Volbeat came on. And I'm not the biggest Volbeat fan. I don't own any of their music. I've seen them a few times. Uh, in support of other bands, most notably with Metallica, of course, which a lot of people have seen them with Metallica. They're on a lot of festivals. They're a good band. They're a little on the poppier side for me. Michael Paulson is a good singer. Rob, of course, comes from Anthrax. So it's not like they're not a good band. They're just not really my wheelhouse. But they did a really good job. They were fun live. There was definitely people that were there to see Volbeat that were wearing the t-shirts and were really excited when they came on stage. There was this guy next to me dancing. He was getting his groove on. He stepped on my toe about 15 times, but he was enjoying himself. They do this song called, I think it's called Lola, which is my favorite song that they do, which is very much a poppier, radio-friendly song. What's interesting for me with them is they do have some heavier songs that I don't really like. When they try to be Metallica, it doesn't really work for me. But I thought they were entertaining. Then Ghost comes on. Tobias had a different mask. He looked like the Joker, which was a little bit strange. I liked it much better when he was the Pope. The ghouls had on these, what looked like motorcycle helmets, black motorcycle helmets. They kind of looked like Blue Man Group, only with black heads. They had pyro. They had some changing backdrops. Tobias did a lot of uh, costume changes. He's a great front man. He was lively, he was entertaining, he was engaging with the audience. He was clearly having a good time. They're a fun band. I don't know a lot about their stuff. I have some of their stuff, but I'm not deep into their catalog. I did recognize, obviously, some of the songs, but not all of them. Thankfully, they didn't do that new song, that Call Me Sunshine song, because I don't really like it. 
They did do their version of Enter Sandman, which was great. They did a really good job. It was a fun show. But they only played for like an hour and a half. It was a very uh, quick show. But it was a good time. And then I went for McDonald's. I got home at like 2 in the morning and I had to be to work at 7 a.m. But I was down in the pit and I was about maybe three, not rows, because there's people, obviously. It's not really rows, but like three people behind me. My friend uh, pushed his way to the front. He's a photographer. He got a lot of great pictures. So all in all, we had a great night. So that's the recap of my last Friday night. Before we get started with Ralph, as always, I want to reach out and thank everyone for the continued support. It is much appreciated. And with that, we are on to episode 30, my chat with Ralph about Bruce. So as promised, my friend Ralph has rejoined the podcast to talk about the Bruce Dickinson spoken word show that he went to in New York and I went to in Boston and and I went to again in Philly. So you saw it first. Welcome to the show. Tell me what you thought. Well, you know, I I went in there with, you know, expect, you know, like my expectations weren't that high. I I knew I was going to be entertained. I knew it was going to be Bruce, you know, just typical Bruce telling stories. But my expectations were far exceeded. I thought he was charming, um, funny, brilliant. His storytelling was great. I mean, he was his, his deliveries were great. I truly, truly, truly enjoyed every every second of it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was great. Did you ask a question? No, I didn't. I wrote one down uh, about basically just getting back with, with Roy Z and, and playing music with him. And then um, there was like so many others in the box with the same question. You know, I was going through some of the box. In oh, the box. you were going through the box. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there was a couple of days, so that was good. When I went, when he did the book tour, I met him and he actually answered my question. And it was um, a question about um, doing Empire of the Clouds one time, you know, so it was really no other questions I had. I, I mean, you know, he, he pretty much answers everything all the time. So did you get a shirt? Did you buy merch? Yeah, I bought the one that said, um, which I really love, was, you know, just like dealing with, with my students and stuff and depression and a lot of these kids with these masks. And what, what we're doing with these kids with masks is, is, is a travesty, what we're doing to these kids. But well, that, we just had um, we just had a, our mask band lifted in the town of Allenton, where I live and work. Oh, so that's, today was the first day that I worked with no mask on. It was it, it felt kind of weird, to be honest with you. <laughs> it was okay. great, but it was like, oh, uh. You know, I got up from my desk to go to the bathroom and I was like, oh, am I supposed to put a mask on? I hear you like, you know, in the schools, you know, we still have to wear them in the schools. We don't, have to, you know, we don't have to wear them anymore in, in um, stores and stuff. But in, in the school, we have to wear them. But um, the, the, the shirt I bought was uh, the one that said um, life is the best option. Yes, I got that shirt as well. That was the one I wanted. I, I really like that one. Yeah. It, I didn't understand the other shirt until until after I saw I forgot. um. I forgot the quote he used, but it was kind of a bizarre um, back of a shirt. And I was like, what would, what, what, that's got to mean something. And then after, um, you know, hear him speak, then I forgot, I forgot what it was, um, but it made sense afterwards. But I, I really like the, you know, that the life is uh, the best option shirt. Yes, I did too. I, yeah. I, what song did he sing for you guys? He did chemical wedding. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, when he, I saw know, him, I saw, so I, I saw him in Boston. 
What? Just a couple of bars, maybe yeah. 30 most. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. That's all he does yeah. is a little snippet. When I saw him in Boston, it was kind of the same thing. You know, I, you know, I, I knew that the, the first half of the show was kind of scripted and the second half of the show is supposed to be like a Q&A. I asked a question. It did not get answered. It was kind of a silly question. I didn't think it would, it would be picked, but, you know, I was just like, oh, I'll throw, throw something in there. I thought the same thing. I thought he was very entertaining. I mean, he's an entertainer, so it's not that far-fetched that he would be a great storyteller and he would be animated and he would he would be engaging. You kind of expect that. We had good seats, had really good seats. You know, he was he was fairly close to us and it, it was great. Yeah, yeah like, um, you know, but sometimes, you know, with you just, you know, it could be a dangerous thing as well because you, you see him and, the, you know, and then you have these expectations. You know, he is, you know, my favorite rock star, you know, and what if he was a dick? You know, like, right. what is so self-indulgent, yeah. you know, that you're like, ah, oh, man, not him. So that's what I was kind of afraid of. That's why but, I don't, I'm scared to meet him. That's why I was always yeah. like, that's why I've never met anybody in Iron Maiden and I've never gone out of my way to do it because I'm just, I just don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, it was good. You know, so I'm glad that there was no self-indulgent. There was no patting himself on the back. It was just entertaining, telling stories that were relevant, telling stories that we all enjoyed hearing. And and I and I liked it so much better than the book. You know, yeah. the book, I felt that he just like touched on the surface of things. He never got into it. There was never no. really... It felt like the Reader's Digest version of his life. You know, when he was going into some of these stories, I was like, aha, you know, that's even so much better than the explanation that he did in the book. So I was excited about that. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting. And I love him being um, fresh at school. I thought that was, you know, I mean, I've heard some of those stories, some Uh of those stories we were a little bit familiar with over the years. You know, if you if you follow him in Boston, he did Tears of a Dragon. Okay, there was a Q&A part. That, you know, and that was great or whatever. And then when I went to Philly, I knew that the first half of the show was going to be the same. And it was. But then, you know, I asked my question again, you know, just for shits and giggles. Same silly one? Yeah. Well, it wasn't. The thing that I asked him was I had read someplace that Steve Harris said that he wished that Total Eclipse had been on Number of the Beast and that Gangland had been the B-side. And I asked him, which which do you prefer? I forgot how I phrased it. Something like, which which one did you did you want on the album? Did you fight for the one you wanted? But he didn't pick that. He didn't pick that question. Uh, so we still is, don't know. Question. We still don't know if he's a total eclipser or not. That's a great question. But here's the thing. Here's where I was a little bit disappointed. I go to the Philly show. It's the same, blah, blah, blah. The second half comes, there was a couple of questions that were basically the same questions in Boston that were worded differently. And they answered the question the same as he did in Boston. So like, for example, you know, he told the story about Nico flying the plane. Did he tell that story when he saw when you saw him? Um, I don't I don't think so. No. So he told the story about how he's not the very first pilot. Nico's the first pilot in, in Maiden. And I've heard the story before, and I think that I've heard the story before from Nico, an interview that Nico did about how he flew over. He flew over from Jersey back to the mainland to pick pick him up. They were in the middle of recording. Anyway, he told the story and it was a great story. But then he told the same story in Philly. Like the question was asked in a different way. So I'm just kind of like, was this the same? You know what I mean? Like, was this planned that way? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you know, I said I- it was. And I there was a couple. There was a couple of. There was a couple of questions that were kind of like were, that were kind of like that. That he that they were the same question, and in essence, they were the same question. And it afforded him the opportunity to answer the question, and he answered the question the same, you know, as he did in Boston. But he sang "Man of Sorrows" in Philly. Oh, oh okay. So that was different. 
But yeah, that was it. I mean, that was the only thing that I was kind of like, mm, really? I mean, and the thing was, is that story about the airplane, about Nico flying the airplane was a really good story. That could have been something that was included in the body of the the talk, you know, could have been in the first half anyway. So I don't know if maybe they just thought they just sort of do it this way. But that was the only thing that I was kind of like, oh, you know, some of these are the same answers. It's like not not different questions. No, it was cool. In, in the New York show, he came out when he came out for the question and answers. There was a, um, and, you know, when, when he was doing the whole thing, you know, the slideshow and stuff, it was just a troop of beer on the table. Yeah. So in between, someone came out, they put a bouquet of flowers on, on the table. And so when he came out, he um, said, you know, these flowers are from Ann Wilson of heart. And he read the oh. art and, you know, um, is, you know, you know, have a great show in New York, blah, blah, blah. You know, thank you so much. And then when I came home, you know, I'm just like scrolling through some stuff. And and he actually someone interviewed him recently. And he said, you know, they said, oh, who's your, your, your best female rock right. singer? And he says, Ann Wilson. Right. So. And he goes and he said something along the lines like, oh, I guess, you know, she heard the interview and I didn't know what she meant, that, what he meant at the time. And then when I went back and, you know, read the interview, I was like, aha, you know, so that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter retweeted her tweet that said something like, thank you, Bruce, for the for the love or something like that or for the shout out or something. So she did obviously hear. Yeah, that's great. That's great yeah. that he did that. He wasn't drinking um, Trooper. He was drinking. Hellcat, that beer that I can't think of the name of the brewery now. They did this collab with this brewery here in the U.S. What the hell is the name of the? Oh, my God. I can't think of the brewery right now. But the beer is called, I think it's called Hellcat. Now, is it still um, like an, an Eddie design on the label? I never I never saw the label. He was just drinking the oh. drinking the beer and just talking about it. So I'm going to try to find it. So he was drinking that. But yeah, I mean, I thought, like I said, I thought he did a really, I thought he did a really, really good job. And I thought it was an entertaining show. Yeah, I was happy. Like I said, it, it was, um, I knew I was going to have a great time. I, you know, I'm with my buddy, Pete, you know, my, you know my, one of my best friends since, you know, sixth grade. And, um, you know, he lives in Manhattan. And ever since the pandemic, we, we really haven't seen each other that right. all. So it was really nice getting together with him. We had dinner before and then um, we just had a really nice time. So I knew I was going to have a great time, you know. So, but then it was just, you know, you just sit there smiling, you know, you yeah. smile. Yeah. And I can't how long it was you know like the first act was like an hour and like 45 an hour and 50 yeah. minutes he played, he played a long time he i mean he he was up there for a long and then he then they did um they showed writing on the wall yep yep which was cool to hear yeah, it in dolby sound and not to not see it on like a you know your computer to actually or i saw it on my tv but i mean to actually see it you know in stereo and stuff was cool yeah no i enjoyed that a lot that was good i you know after that i went back and revisited you know, Senjitsu for, you know, the last, you know, ever since I, it's, it's, it's was playing in my car every night, every day, because I kind of had to get away from it a little bit. I was playing it all the time. Every, everything I said, ah, let me just kind of, you know, I, I knew I was seeing kill switch. I said, ah, let me just, you know, let, you know, blast that. So kill switch and stuff. But then I went, you know, revisited some Iron Maiden. So that was good stuff. You know, got back. Yeah. Into Sen- I, I did the same thing. It's funny. I, after I saw him, I started to revisit his solo stuff. I've been listening to a lot of his solo stuff lately. Yeah, I did. I did the same thing too. I wanted to hear a couple, you know, a couple of those songs, you know, because you you mentioned Tears of a Dragon. I think when I I remember first hearing that song, I remember still living in in my mom's house, um, in Brentwood where I grew up, and I remember I I, I see myself listening to it for the first time in the basement. You know, that's where I, you know I had my room in the basement, and was like, oh my 
God, this song is so great. You know, I know. Uh, I know. It brought me back to a good place, you know, coming back and listening to Tears of a Dragon. And even Cyclops, I remember like when that, you know, hearing that song for the first time, like, whoa, who's got a pledge to him now, you know? Yeah. That song was like, oh, that was ballsy. You know, it's a song with balls on it. So that's good. Been been listening to those albums um, quite a bit. Did he sing the uh, Monty Python? Um, nope. Philosopher song, Bruce, Bruce's. That's the something that he did both in Boston and in Philly. Yeah, no, I don't think so. That's nope. weird. I'm glad that he did because I'm glad to find out that it wasn't, you know, exactly the same. And you know, it's like it was really, you know, because you know, because because of the Bruce show. Like, I, you know, my, my wife's birthday is February 13th, and then the next day is Valentine's Day. And you know, I've had that dilemma for 30 years. You know, so. <laughs> And it's always during wrestling season. I always have a tournament. And, you know, she's been wonderful about it. You know, all the, you know she, she knew who she meant. But so I'm thinking, like, what can I get her? I mean, there's really, you know, like, I'm not, you know, we're both not into material things. And, and now that we get older, we want to do memories. You know? Right. So because of the Bruce thing, my wife always watches Josh Gates, you know, um, you know, Expedition Unknown. And I always, I always, you know, rank on it as because he never finds anything you know he's always looking for bigfoot oh that's uh, yeah yeah he's 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 funny and everything but i always say you know you know he's not you know he's not gonna find them right why are we watching the show you know he's not gonna find bigfoot so he's actually doing the same type of thing that bruce is doing at like this small little theater called westbury um so i i got her tickets for that for for um her birthday slash valentine's day so we're gonna go out we'll have a nice time and but i was thinking i'm like I was like, you know what? He's got to be funny too. I'm like, after seeing Bruce, I was like, you know what? I think, I think that would be a good time. Her and I will go out. We'll have a couple of drinks. We'll just laugh. And, you know, I hope he finds the stage, but you know, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Well, I remember seeing Scott Ian a few years back. He did a spoken word thing and I saw him in Boston and he was really good too. Oh, I would have loved to see that. I love that. That was, that was a good time. Yeah. That was about 2015. I want to say something like that. Um, he did it at the Hard Rock Cafe here in Boston, and it was a great. That was a great show too. And he was, a, you know, he was he was funny, and of course he had, you know, all kinds of stories. He had Lemmy stories and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, his I think it's exactly his books yeah. were really good, better than Bruce's actually. Uh, oh, I, 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 yeah. You know, um, like he, he told, you know, like he was good. You know, Bruce, I think, just was very politically correct. You know, didn't delve too deep. Didn't want to. You know, wanna, but yeah. I was. I mean, I was glad that he didn't, I don't want to hear about, you know, gossipy and, you know, I don't want it to be like a tell all book, you know, or whatever, you know, nonsense. I don't care about that. Who's screwing who and what's, you know, divorces and all, you know, I don't care about any of that stuff, but I would have liked him to have got into a little bit more detail about the making of the albums and the recording of the albums and the crafting of the songs and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the stage I, shows and that kind of stuff, you know, a little bit more. That's the stuff that I'm interested in. I'm not interested in any of the bullshit. Yeah. The, I guess there's kind of a fine line. I mean, you don't want to be KK, right? Right. Yeah. Tell all book and then regret it. Yeah. His book was his, <laughs> his like, I, I got friends of mine that, you know, didn't, didn't read the book. And they're like, I can't believe they didn't ask KK to come back. I'm like, eh. uh, you should read the book. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they should. Yeah, I mean, you got to be knowing to hold your tongue. He hammed, yeah. just tipped in the whole, the whole yeah. book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that's who's managing the band is uh, his old lady. Yeah. You know, you don't don't shit where you eat. Yeah. And then don't be don't be surprised when they're mad and they don't want they don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, and you know what? They're, they're going to sell the exact amount of same, you know, same tickets whether you're in the band or not. 
What do you so, think about that whole um, four piece debacle? That announcement. I, yeah, as much as I love Richie Faulkner, you know, I mean, I, I was like, this, this is not going to work. You know, it'll work, but it's not going to sound as rich as, as you're not going to get that bottom. You're not going to get that crunch that that you want to hear. You know. No, I mean, it was just kind of a dumb idea, which I mean, they figured it out, obviously. I mean, there was so much backlash that they, you know, they walked it back. It would have been weird. It definitely would. Because, you know, yet as good as Ian Hill is, you know, he, he doesn't move. And he's like a traffic cone. Right. <laughs> you know, Rob, you know, has to stay near the near the monitor so we could read the words. So, <laughs> right. You know, you got to have two guys, you know, moving around. And I love Richie. I, you know, I love Richie too. Yeah, he's one. He's amazing. He's really done a good job on in the band, and um, I'm glad that he's healthy. And they're going to be back out on the road and stuff. That's and you know, I like Andy. I mean, I've seen Andy with the band, and he does a great job. I mean, he's not a showman, but he's doing a great. He's doing a great job. So you know, and you and you need two guitars. You can't do 50 years worth of music with one guitar when that's not how the music was written. 100. percent You know, then you're going to have some guy backstage probably doing some yeah. film. Which or I back hate. and tracks, which I, uh, yeah, uh, I'm all set with that. Yeah, th- it would just be a, a big fiasco. And, you know, they figured it out fast enough. Thank God. Internet blew up. Like people were hammering them. There wasn't, I never saw, I saw all kinds of posts. I never saw one person go, yeah, this seems like a good idea. I think this will work. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> one person, not one person. All <laughs> right, I guess we'll wrap this up because it was just a quick, um, I was going to get on and do it myself. And then I thought, well, no, I don't um, I have an excuse to talk to Ralph, hear his show, compare notes. No, I love it. Thank you so much for thinking of me. All right, Melissa, always a thanks, pleasure. Uh, tell Maureen, thanks for letting you use her phone. And yeah, I'm lucky I'm even like touching it. She knows when it comes to metal. She got to, you know, let me, let me in. <laughs> All right, Melissa, I'll talk to you on. All right. Take care. Stay, stay, stay well. Bye. Bye. John Stuart Mill of his own free will on half a bottle of shandy was particularly ill. Plato to say could stick it away. Half a grain of whiskey every day. Aristotle, Aristotle was a bugger for the bottle. Off was fond of his tram. And Rene Descartes was a drunken fart. I drink, therefore I am. Yes, Socrates himself is particularly missed. A lovely little thinker, but a bugger when he's pissed.